Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. When it comes to spinal conditions that can cause sciatica, a herniated or bulging disc can often be identified as a culprit, and this can sound like a death sentence. As a result, patients feel powerless, hopeless, and fearful about living a pain-free life. But why does it sound so scary? To truth be told, it is due to misinformation and copious amounts of fear-mongering, making you, the listener, or person in pain be put in a position that is out of your control. How many times have you heard that your disc herniation is so bad that it's actually pushing on a nerve and then you're prescribed pain medication or steroids to bring the pain down? The big question that we have to ask ourselves is, will that actually help with the herniation? And probably not. And then you go to a physiotherapist or chiropractor and they say, yeah, it's probably going to stay herniated or that their techniques is actually going to reduce the herniation. And then on top of that, how confusing is it to hear that 30 to 80% of disc bulges or herniations are actually asymptomatic? The source for that statistic is actually found in the description of today's episode. What makes things even more confusing on top of everything that you just heard is to find out that the cause of your pain is unknown because the MRI couldn't find anything. The next question we have to ask ourselves is, are we going crazy? In today's episode, I actually hope to accomplish a few things. The first is actually to help you get rid of your fear of a bulging disc, provide you the tools to treat your pain, and last but not least, empower you. Now, a large portion of people suffering from sciatic pain do not need surgery. I don't know the exact number, but unless you have changes in your bowel, your bladder function, complete loss of sensation or function of your legs, or any other medical red flags, you will likely respond to conservative treatment, which includes movement and exercise. However, the key is to finding the right exercises for you specifically for your relief. And today we're gonna to take a deep dive into the lumbar disc, as this is often a scary term or structure associated with your sciatica pain. We'll talk about the anatomy of the disc, the function, its role in sciatica pain, and actually how to treat this issue so that you can live pain-free. So are you ready? Let's take this journey together. But before doing so, I have a question for you. Do you need help with your sciatica pain, but do not want to go through the process of having to go to the doctor and work with a physical therapist in person once or twice a week? Are you tired of having to pay copay after copay without any relief? 
our new sciatica protocol solves both of these problems by putting the power of healing into your own hands. After a short nine-question quiz, you'll be provided a customized program for your pain relief, all delivered through your cell phone. Now, this program was designed for you to get quick relief without having to pay an exorbitant amount for treatment sessions, and you can do all these exercises on your own time. Start the program, do your exercises, get relief, and then get on with your life. It's only 25 bucks a week, and you can cancel anytime. Check it out now on ifixyoursciatica.com slash the underscore sciatica underscore protocol. What's a spinal disc? A spinal disc is a capsule filled with fluid. The outer layers of the capsule are concentric circles of a fibrous layer, which form the annulus fibrosis. This is what provides the tensile strength and structure to the disc itself. Consider this like layers of an onion. The nucleus pulposus is a gel-like substance that actually sits within the center of the disc surrounded by the annulus fibrosis. And this gel-like substance is a combination of fluid and proteins, and this fluid is actually theorized to move in the direction of the least resistance or pressure. The lumbar disc actually has two major purposes. The first that it actually acts as a shock absorber. Because of its fluid-like nature, it is actually able to absorb and distribute pressure. And these discs actually sit between vertebrae to provide that type of effect. The second purpose is that it acts like a fulcrum of movement for better force distribution and leverage. Now, what is a fulcrum? If you were to visualize a seesaw, the point in the middle where the wood pivots is the fulcrum. It allows you to create that leverage. Now, approximately 95% of lumbar disc herniations actually occur at the levels of L4, L5, or L5S1. And this is because the majority of spinal motions occur at those three vertebrae. And the source for that specific statistic can be found in the description of today's episode. So what happens when a disc herniates or bulges, right? Now, a few minutes ago, I said that the contents of the disc will actually move in the direction of beast resistance, which means that if you bend forward, there is an increased pressure at the front of the disc, aka the anterior. So what that means is that the, uh, the gel will move backwards. And the opposite happens if you were to lean back. If you bend left, the disc will move right and vice versa. Now, these discs were actually designed to move. Remember, they act as shock absorbers and fulcrums. However, just like any other structure, if you stress it out way too much, they can in fact break down. So if your back is rounded for a long period of time, the connective tissue, the annulus fibrosis, starts to weaken and the disc can bulge or herniate and stay that way. The herniation itself can affect the spinal cord directly, which is often called a posterior herniation or push directly on a nerve that leaves the spine via the spinal foramen. And this would be called a posterolateral herniation or bulge. Posterior lateral means back and towards the side. And when you have these bulges, it can cause pain, weakness, and sensation changes. Now, how can you tell if this is an issue with sciatica? Remember, sciatica is just a description of your pain. 
your sciatic nerve is involved if the pain is located on one side of your low back down to your glute hamstrings or your entire lower leg below the knee. I repeat, sciatica is just a description of where your pain is located and does not tell you the cause. It could be a result of arthritis, stenosis, spondylosis, spondylolisthesis, or specifically today, a herniated disc. And there are a couple of ways to determine the cause of your pain. Now, how is a bulging disc diagnosed? Often, it is through the use of an MRI, which is magnetic resonance imaging. This is a different tool compared to an x-ray or CT scan because they evaluate more bony structures, whereas an MRI will actually address and assess the soft tissue changes. MRIs are expensive, and unfortunately, they only have a moderate level of accuracy, meaning that it presents with a large number of both false negatives and false positives, depending on the person who is reading that report. The article for that fact can actually be found in today's episode as well. With this type of technique, there will be people who have herniated discs without pain, and there will be people who have normal MRIs, but have a ton of pain. So then we have to ask ourselves this question. There's only a moderate amount of evidence of the accuracy of an MRI, and 20 to 80% of herniated discs are asymptomatic then how can we know if a herniated disc is actually causing your pain? The reality is that there is no 100% certainty with this scenario. And I wish this was the case, but it's not. What makes it even more confusing is that people can experience complete resolution of symptoms that were believed to be caused by a herniated disc. But upon reevaluation, the disc itself is still herniated. So what gives? Regardless of the diagnosis of a herniated disc, stenosis, arthritis, spondylosis, or even spondylolisthesis, which I have recorded an episode about, the treatment strategy will be the same. The first step is you need to rule out the red flags. Second, you have to find the positions that make you feel better and do more of that. Identify the positions that increase your pain and do less or modify those activities. And once you feel better and your pain has gone down, then it's time to live your life and build back a way into doing the things that you love. Well, let's take some time to focus on actually addressing your sciatic pain. If you are certain or your doctor is certain that your disc is a cause of your pain and suffering, more often than not, if you're listening to this episode, you or someone you know is suspecting that the disc itself is herniated and you need help reducing it. So here's the great news. More than 85 to 90% of lumbar disc herniations heal within 6 to 12 weeks without medical intervention. You can just stop listening right now and just go about your day. I'm just kidding. But that also includes not having medications, surgeries, or even conservative treatments like physiotherapy or chiropractic care. And the source of this information is actually found in today's episode as well. But really what this means for most of you listeners, if you do nothing at all, you can have healing of that disc. But that does not mean that 85 to 90% of you sufferers out there will just spontaneously recover without any sort of information. The typical healing time for tissue is about 6 to 12 weeks, meaning that some of you may just heal over time. And for other folks, something needs to be done. Now, most exercises that focus on reducing a disc herniation are working off of the primary theory that spinal discs 
inside the gel, the, the area that actually gets hernia moves in the direction of least resistance, meaning that the disc was bulging backwards and pressing on a spinal cord, then a backwards bend should, in theory, push the contents of that disc forward back into the middle of the vertebrae, thus reducing the nerve irritation and help you out with your pain. With this type of approach, it is increasingly important to understand the direction of where that disc is, is herniated, which can be determined by your MRI. And the most common exercises you'll see when it comes to healing a lumbar disc includes a backwards bend, also known as extension and standing, which can either be done and stand like you're doing the limbo. And the other form is the cobra press up where you're on your stomach, pressing your chest up from the floor. And both of these movements address again, the lumbar extension, pushing the disc from back into the middle. To be clear, if you're looking at working on a spinal disc, right? Stretching out the hip will actually have little to no effect on this structure. So when you are experiencing sciatic pain that could be caused by disc issues, reserve your pigeon stretches and hip stretches for another time until we address the spine itself. If the disc is pushing out towards the side, then it can be suspected and concluded that a side bend towards the disc herniation and maybe even extension can actually push the contents of that disc back and towards the middle. A common group of extension-based exercises for herniated discs is often called McKenzie-based exercises. It was actually categorized by Australian physiotherapist Robin McKenzie, who accidentally treated one of his patients with extension as compared to the typical original flexion-based exercises that was developed by Dr. Paul C. Williams, an orthopedic surgeon from Dallas. Then we have to ask ourselves this question when it comes to herniated discs, which technique is better than the other? If we're looking at these two categories, Williams flexion and McKenzie extension, if we were to go off the fact that MRIs diagnose disc herniations and discs actually move in the position of least resistance, the McKenzie-based exercises actually help posterior herniations. And if the and Williams flexion exercises can actually help with anterior herniations. But here's the hard truth, or a pretty easily digestible truth. No exercise is greater than the other. There's really no bad exercise, only inappropriate exercise. The scientific research has already showed that MRI diagnostic accuracy is moderate at best, and 20 to 80% of herniated discs are asymptomatic. A third research article showed little evidence that extension-based exercises actually affected fluid movement back into the middle of the disc. What that meant was movement of your spine actually had little to no effect when it comes to extension. And the link to that article is actually shown in the description of today's episode as well. So the theory of disc moving in and out based on spinal motions can be somewhat debunked. So then we have to ask ourselves, where do we go from here, right? And at this point, I share with you so much information and you're probably thinking, yeah, Ashley, you have all this information. I've debunked a lot of the myths about herniated discs, but I want to get relief. How do I do that? Sciatica pain relief is simple and we can fix it in three major steps, regardless of the cost. The first is a rule out red flags. You want to make sure that anything you're experiencing uh, is in control of what you can do with your body. If it's not, we need to go see a doctor. The second is to find the positions and stretches that actually help you the most. That means symptom reduction and feeling better as a result. And we must clarify what an improvement actually means. If your pain intensity decreases, 
the area of pain decreases in size if the pain starts to travel up from your extremities closer to your spine, we call that centralization. Uh, if you have an improvement in your sensation, an improvement in range of motion, or you feel stronger. Uh, and then last but not least, you understand or feeling that your nerves are in fact healing. Nerve conduction and irritation occurs on a spectrum. If we were to look at one end of the spectrum with maximum nerve irritation, you're gonna have numbness and weakness. Once that nerve starts to heal because it's less irritated and that nerve starts to fire a little bit more, you're going to have pins and needles. And as we get more healing, you're going to experience a burning sensation, maybe a sharp, a deep ache. And then we transition to like a soreness or tightness and then to heaviness or warmth. And then the last step is having a fully healed functioning nerve. The third step to pain relief is finding the positions and exercises that cause your pain. Completely eliminate them from your day or modify them so that your symptoms don't get worse. And how can we determine if your symptoms are worsening? It's the exact opposite of what it's like to get better. If the pain intensity increases, the size of your pain increases, the symptoms travel farther away from your spine, down your extremities, you feel weaker, stiffer, or if you are moving in the opposite direction of the nerve healing spectrum. If you can focus on the three steps, rule out red flags, do more of the good stuff, avoid the bad stuff, you will experience significant relief and you can finally get back to doing the things that you love. No one ever deserves to live in pain. So follow these steps and figure out what works and doesn't work for you. No one other than yourself can determine what feels the best. The goal of this podcast and our platform at ifixyoursciatica.com is to empower you to take charge of the relief. And you don't need to be afraid of your diagnosis. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.